No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that while Moses was on the mountain with the Lord for 40 days, the people down below made and worshipped a golden calf. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Exodus chapter 32 on Simply the Bible. If you've ever climbed up into the mountains, surrounded by evergreens, rocky cliffs, alpine lakes, and cool mountain air, and then descended into the smog of the city below, then you can begin to know how Moses felt leaving the top of Mount Sinai, where he spent 40 days in the presence of the Lord, only to come down to see the children of Israel worshiping a golden calf and indulging in revelry. It's like jumping out of the shower into a cesspool. One can only imagine the grief of heart that Moses must have felt as they had broken the covenant they made with God and were now playing the harlot. This is what the golden calf represents. It's what happens when people take their eyes off the transcendent creator and choose to make their own material God with their own hands. Exodus 32 is a tragic chapter in the lives of God's chosen people. Verse 1, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Why would the people do this? Why would they so quickly abandon the God who miraculously delivered them from Egypt? Why would they presume that just because Moses didn't come down when they thought he should, that he wasn't coming back at all? I see three reasons. First, Moses, the man of God, was absent. Moses is the first person in the Bible to be called the man of God. The people had told him that they wanted him to be their representative. He would go up and talk with God and come down and tell them what to do. But as Moses disappeared from their view into the consuming fire on top of Mount Sinai and then didn't come back for the better part of six weeks, they grew restless. While Moses was with them, his mere presence exerted a holy influence upon them. Moses was strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But when the restraining force of Moses' presence was gone, the passions within them began to bubble up to the surface. 
Second, the people had been raised in the idolatry of Egypt. They had grown up in this pagan, polytheistic culture. The morality of the Egyptians was far more permissive than that of Yahweh, who spoke forth his Ten Commandments. The Lord had taken Israel out of Egypt, but it would prove to be far more difficult to take Egypt out of Israel. Over the years, I have observed that when people cool in their relationship with God, then they quickly relapse back into the sins from which the Lord delivered them. Third, Aaron was a weak leader. He did not have the same moral character as his younger brother. Moses had been raised in Pharaoh's household, but when he grew older, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoying the passing pleasures of sin. After fleeing from the face of Pharaoh for killing an Egyptian, Moses was then prepared by God with herding sheep for 40 years in the Wilderness University. But Aaron had no such character forged in the fires of adversity. Therefore, his leadership lacked the metal of Moses. When the people came up to him and said, make us gods that shall go before us, Rather than just rebuking them on the spot and saying, why are you even thinking such a thing? He said, well, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives and sons and your daughters and bring them to me. Hoping by making things more difficult for them, by having to break off their gold earrings and bring him all the gold, that that would sort of stop them in their tracks. But it didn't. Then he took the gold and used an engraving tool to mold a gold calf. Now keep that in mind because later on, he will completely deny that he ever did this. Finally, when the people built an altar before the golden calf, then he said, tomorrow will be a feast to the Lord. He tried to justify what they were doing and make it into a, an act of worship of the Lord, which of course it wasn't. Now, the truly amazing thing to me in all this is that in spite of Aaron's many weaknesses, God would still choose him and use him. But it was clearly by grace. And that ought to give us all hope because why does God choose and use us? It's not because we're deserving. It's not because we have the moral character of Moses. It's because God is merciful and gracious and he gives us second and third and fourth and fifth chances. And therefore, Aaron to me is a great inspiration that if God can use Aaron, he can use me. And if he can use me, he can use you. But when Moses comes down the hill, he's not going to be very happy with his older brother. Meanwhile, back up on Mount Sinai, verse 7, And the Lord said to Moses, Go get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it. And said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. And indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. Don't think that God chose the nation of Israel because they were more righteous than other nations. They weren't. They were stiff-necked. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation." This was bad news. 
God was at the point of destroying his people Israel because of their spiritual adultery, which is the way God looked at idolatry. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Now it's important that we properly interpret what's going on here. If we think that God is just really on the edge, ready to just go ballistic, and somehow Moses turns him from this course of evil, then we're sort of missing the whole point. Remember that when the Lord called Moses from the burning bush, Moses didn't want to have anything to do with delivering the people. But now that God's wrath is burning hot against them, Moses intercedes. But Who put that heart of intercession into Moses? Later on in the book of Ezekiel, we see that God searched for a man who would stand in the gap before him on behalf of the land that he wouldn't destroy it, but he found no one. Here, Moses was that man standing in the gap so that the Lord would not destroy his people, and he did it in several ways. It is interesting that in verse 7, the Lord said, Go get down, Moses, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. But Moses says in verse 11, Why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Neither one of them wanted to take ownership for the people at this point. Now, you know, when our children were younger, my wife and I used to do this. You know, when one of our children would misbehave, my wife would say, go do something with your son. And I would say, well, it's not my son, he's your son. And so neither one of them wanted to take responsibility for the children of Israel at this point. But Moses reminded the Lord of his reputation. He said, why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them and to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth. He was saying, Lord, consider your reputation. What are the Egyptians going to say about you? Then Moses reminded the Lord of the promise he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel that he would multiply their descendants and that he would bring them back into the land as their eternal inheritance. So that by reminding the Lord that they were his people, by getting him to consider his reputation with the other nations, and by reminding the Lord of his promises to the patriarchs, Moses interceded for Israel and turned the Lord's heart away from destruction. Moses stands as an amazing example of the heart of an intercessor. And we know that God searches for such a one who will stand in the gap. Verse 15, and Moses turned and went down from the mountain and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. The tablets were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other, they were written. 
Now the tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. We know this is the first edition. When Moses gets to the bottom of the hill, he's going to break these as a, a sign of the people breaking the covenant. And so God will have to write a second edition. Now, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the noise of the shout of victory, nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. In reality, the people had gone completely crazy in revelry. But we'll look at that next week. For me, the great takeaway here is that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they would turn and live. And he looks for someone who will stand in the gap, who will plead for the people that God may show mercy that triumphs over judgment. May God help us be such intercessors. Lord knows our friends, family, and nation need it. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. We'd really love to hear from you. You can also text WELCOME to 208-314-3377. That's 208-314-3377. Next week, we'll see what happens when Moses' anger burns hot against the people for making the golden calf. It is a case study in judgment and intercession. We hope you'll join us as we continue through Exodus on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.